Good evening. I gotta make sure my mic is turned on. Is it turned on? Okay, good. I'm glad I can never quite hear myself. Well, good evening. I'm Sarah. I'm one of the pastors here at Hope. This evening, we start in our new sermon series called Then Sings My Soul. I am so excited for this sermon series because we're going to be taking a look at some of our favorite hymns, especially the classic hymns, um, that, and we're going to tell the story of, of how these hymns were inspired, what scriptures inspired them, and how they can actually enrich our prayer and worship life. And so tonight we are taking a look at How Great Thou Art. I mean, it is like a classic. That's where we get the title of our sermon series, Then Sings My Soul. So before we dive in, let's have a word of prayer, if you would join me. Heavenly Father, Lord, I give you thanks and praise for who you are, for your goodness, for your glory, for your Son, Jesus Christ, for your Holy Spirit that is with us. Lord, I pray that during this time of digging into your word and the songs that ins- of, of praise and of worship that, that your word has inspired for us to sing tonight, Lord God, that you would open up our hearts, our minds, our very lives to you so that you would speak to us. Speak a good word, Lord. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So how great thou art. This hymn became popular. It sounds like like a really old hymn, right? Like if we sing it, it really sounds old. But it really became popular uh, here in the United States in the 1950s. Now, for some of us, that's not really old. But for some of us, that's really old, right? There's some young people here, and you're like, that was in like the 20th century, right? It was a long time ago. But believe it or not, uh, this hymn became popular through the Billy Graham Crusades in the 1950s. But its roots go all the way back to the 19th century. This hymn started as a poem written by a Swede named Carl Boberg in 1885. He wrote a poem called, Oh Mighty God. And while this was, uh, it was a great poem that was uh, beloved by people in Sweden, it was put to a Swedish tune, a popular Swedish tune. And, and that was a seven, several years later But that poem and that tune together, it really didn't take off. Like in modern terms, like it it didn't go viral, right? Like it didn't go viral. Uh, It took some time. And you see this hymn, it traveled. It's made its way all the way to Russia somehow. And it was in Russia that an English missionary named Stuart Hine heard it. And being inspired by the hymn, And the beautiful Carpathian Mountains, which are near Ukraine, right? He's just beautiful. He rewrote the hymn in 1931. So it started in 1885, and then it took a journey to 1931. And his final revision of Almighty God was shared under the name How Great Thou Art in 1949. And then sometime later, a Dr. J. Irwin Orr heard How Great Thou Art, being sung by Naga tribespeople in Assam, India. An American heard this song, How Great Thou Art, in India. And what he decided to do, he decided to bring it back to the United States. And he introduced it at a, at a conference in California. I mean, this, this song went worldwide before it finally like, became super popular. Well, when he brought it to this conference in California, a music producer named Tim Spencer contacted the original 
original-ish author, the English missionary Stuart Hine, and had the song copyrighted, published, and recorded. So knowing this history of how great thou art, this hymn's global reach and transformation through the generations, it really truly makes it an enduring hymn. And why is that? What makes a song, what makes a hymn Enduring. What about it causes our souls to sing and to sing it at the top of our lungs some days, right? To praise God. Well, as a musician, you know, I can, I can talk about things like, well, it's the way that the melody builds and how the arrangement like builds and builds, right, Sarah? It's amazing. And the, the, the major key that it's in. And if you're a wordsmith, you can talk about how, how the grandness of the words the majesty of the words lifts your soul. And, and also, you can talk about how when you sing this song, whether you're a guy or a gal, it's like in the perfect key. You're not singing too high or too low. It's, like, it's just this perfect key, right? But I think the answer is a bit simpler than that. This hymn, like all great hymns of praise, does two things. That's so key and so important for us in our worship when we worship Christ, when we worship God. And it does this. It simply points to who God is and what he does. It helps focus our hearts and our eyes and our minds and our lives on who God is and what he does. Think of that first verse of how great thou art. Oh, Lord, my God, when I in awesome wonder consider all the worlds thy hand have made, I see the stars, and on a night like tonight, I hear the rolling thunder, it's thundering out there, <laughs> thy power throughout the universe displayed. The first thing this hymn does, it points to God the Father, the one who created all that there is by looking to the heavens, by, by seeing all of God's creation. We recognize that all of creation points to the awesome work of God. Romans 1.20 tells us, for since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made so that people are without excuse of knowing who God is. See, when we fix our hearts, our minds, our eyes on God, it gives us a perspective on life and on God that I think sometimes in our busy lives would otherwise go unnoticed. And, and when we fix our eyes on who God is and what he does as the creator, as our father, it inspires awe. It reminds me when my oldest son, uh, he was a toddler, and there was a day that, that he and I were going to go on a walk. And he had a lot of toddler energy on this day. And I'm like, we're going to get this energy out. We're walking. And if we're going to run, that's going to be great too, right? This kid needs a nap. And so we go outside, and I have one fixed idea, and that's to go on a walk. 
But then my toddler, he's out in nature. It's one of his first spring times where he's like complete freedom as a toddler, as like two years old, you know? And he goes outside, and what does he do? He stops at every tree. And why? Because he wants to look at the tree bark on every tree. And I'm like... Otto, yes, there's lots of trees, lots of tree bark. Let's keep going on this walk, Otto. But mom, look at this. Look, and there's an ant, and there's another bug. Look at how this one is really rough, and look how this one's really smooth. Mom, and he just stopped at every tree. We barely got around the block because he was so in awe. And by getting on his level and seeing what he saw, I took a pause, and I was like, wow. That's pretty amazing to see what God has created and done through his creation. When we fix our eyes on God, the creator, we can stand in awe of his work, his glory, his majesty. And we can't help but notice God's fingerprints on all things. This hymn continues, though. We don't just see God as creator. We know God in a person, in Jesus Christ. And when I think that God, his son not sparing, sent him to die, I scarce can take it in that on the cross, my burden gladly bearing, he bled and died to take away my sin. This great hymn points to who God is and what he does for us in Christ. We hear in Psalm 145, verses 8 and 9, the Lord is gracious and compassionate. Remember, these words were written before Jesus was born. The Lord is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and abounding in rich love. The Lord is good to all. He has compassion on all he has made. And every time we look to the cross, we look to Jesus Christ, we know that it's true. When we fix our eyes on the cross, what do we see? We see a God who doesn't look at us, his creation, and then he's hands off. What we see is a God who cares deeply about us and for us, who entered our world by putting on human flesh, who to, to live among us, to experience all that we have experienced, to, to enter the brokenness of this world and to face it head on, to take on sin, death, and the devil so that you and I, when we look to Jesus on the cross, we know that our brokenness has been forgiven, our sin has been forgiven, and we are redeemed and we are freed, and we know that through the empty tomb that there is the possibility of new life, that our past don't define us, Jesus does, that our present situations don't have power over this world, Jesus does, and that our future is safely in his hands. The hymn continues. 
when Christ shall come with shouts of acclamation and take me home. What joy shall fill my heart? Then I shall bow in humble adoration and there proclaim, my God, how great thou art. This third verse points us to who God is as the one who not only redeems us, but promises to be with us through all of life, including to the very, very end by the power of his Holy Spirit. God is with us and working on us, redeeming us and guiding us in life. Psalm 145 continues in verse 10. It says, all your works praise you, Lord. Your faithful people extol you. They tell of the glory of your kingdom and speak of your might so that all people may know of your mighty acts and the glorious splendor of your kingdom. All of us, when we can experience God with us through the power of the Holy Spirit, we can tell others of God's goodness at work in our life. You see, when we fix our hearts, our minds, and our eyes on God's Holy Spirit that is with us and leading us, we are not left to despair. Sometimes life, it can get really heavy really quick, and we want to despair. But when we focus on God's Spirit with us, we learn that we are never alone. God never leaves us alone and is working in and through us. From those who came before us and told us about God and about his son Jesus to, to uh, how God is, is, is with us now. And, 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 and of course, how God's spirit will continue on even after we are gone. God is still with us. How can it be that we can have hope in the face of despairing times? It makes me think of one of our congregation members who passed not too long ago, and she had received a cancer diagnosis, a terminal cancer diagnosis. Um, and she knew that she would need to be on hospice care. Now, she had in her, her mind that she would be gone within a month or two, and she had kind of just settled in her soul, like, all right, Lord, take me. I'm ready any day. And she knew that her, that her passing, it could be painful. It wasn't going to be pretty, but she was like, you know what? I'm ready to go. But then one month turned to two months. She wasn't getting any sicker. Two months turned to three months, into four months, into five months. And she was still doing really great. And she's like, Lord, Lord, why am I still here? And now in this moment, she could have despaired, but what did she do? What she decided to do in her heart was she told me one day, you know, Pastor Sarah, I think God's got me here for a reason. I don't know what that reason is. He's clearly not done with me yet. And so even though she, she continued to weaken because of the cancer, she knew that this was going to be a longer process. So what did she do every day? She chose to see God at work in her and in the people around her every day. 
And she took every day as an opportunity to love and serve the Lord. It, even, even when we, we got to like seven, eight months after she received her terminal cancer diagnosis, she'd been in hospice for a long time. I went in and, and it was the beginning of Lent and I sat down and she said, Pastor Sarah, you should see my Lenten devotionals. I'm like, oh my word, wow, you are really good at connecting with the Lord. Like she already had it all laid out. She had three of them. And she pulled it up on her iPad and I sat down, we compared notes and I downloaded some of hers and she downloaded some of mine. And she still, even through Easter, even as she grew weaker, she said, Sarah, I am ready. I am ready. And yet I'm so grateful for every day. She practiced daily gratitude. She saw every day as a gift, as an opportunity to love and serve the Lord, even as she faced a very difficult end to her life here on earth. She knew Christ would come. She knew the day would come to take her home, to fill her heart with joy. But until that day, she praised God. She lived for him. You see, great praise songs like How Great Thou Art, they do one of two things. They remind us of who God is what he does because sometimes in this journey this long journey of faith it can be easy to forget from our best days to our hardest days but great praise songs they remind us so that then sings my soul my savior god to thee how great thou art how great thou art if you know it sing with me then sings my soul, my Savior God, to thee. How great thou art, how great thou art. He is a great God. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, I give you thanks and praise this day for the words and the music that you put on our hearts so we can give expression to who you are and what you do so that generations may know of your love, of the work that you've done for us through your son, Jesus Christ. Lord, help us this day to fix our eyes on you through the song, through the reading of scripture, through all of life's daily ups and downs. Help us to fix our eyes on you so we can proclaim every day how great you are. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.